What's going on everyone? My name is Cameron Harn and welcome to the Principles of Fitness podcast where we acknowledge some of the hidden authorities in the fitness industry. My guest today is one of the brightest and youngest minds in the fitness industry. He works as a soft tissue specialist and personal trainer at Urban Golf Performance located in Los Angeles. In this episode, we discuss the importance of a strong team and common core values that can elevate a team to achieve greatness. We also discuss what he's working on in the field of cognitive performance, some interesting stuff there. So please welcome to the show, my good friend, Ryan Glatt. Go ahead and let everybody know how you got started in the fitness industry and then where you are today. All right, so my name is Ryan Glatt, and I am currently a soft tissue therapist, personal trainer, and the way I got started in the fitness industry uh, was simply through my own experiences. I remember uh, my whole entire childhood, I was pretty overweight, and it wasn't until my senior year of high school, this uh, gym opened across from my high school. I went to Moore Park High School, and Moore Park Fitness was the name of the gym that opened. And it was a pact between me and two other of my best friends. And we said, you know, we're all going to get fit. And we made a pact to join that gym. And I lost about, you know, 40 pounds. And it changed everything about my life. My confidence, my social skills, um, my ability to connect with others. Uh, I stopped playing video games and started playing tennis. It, It really changed my whole life. And my whole career idea was to train exotic animals. Like, I remember as a kid watching Animal Planet... And just being fascinated with like animal behavior and conservation efforts. And I was going to Moore Park College for this exotic animal training program. So I'm sitting in class, uh, you know, studying animal behavior and capuchin monkeys. And then taking notes on this freaking water buffalo chewing cud for eight hours. Just thinking about (laughs) what I really want to do. And it's a lottery program, so I didn't get in. And I was happy I didn't get in because at the same time I was just taking these personal training classes at Moore Park College. And I was just taking it as a hobby, kind of as a, as a side interest. Like I'd like to help people do this. And it was just a sign for me when I got rejected from that program that this isn't what I need to do in my life. I need to get into this personal training. And Jeff Kryle, who you interviewed prior, uh, was my mentor and still is in a lot of ways. And I, you know, dove headfirst into his program. I took every class. I did as many hours in his internship working with as many different sports teams as possible and that's how I get started, and everything kind of evolved from there. Okay, so then you went through the program over at Moore Park. Where did that take you next? Well, it was interesting because as I was starting my own personal training business, I was just about uh, starting work at 24-Hour Fitness um, as one of the trainers in Simi Valley on Madeira. It's a classic club, and uh, lots of people from that program went there, as I understand. Um, And around that same time, my mom started going through some kidney disease issues, and she had this neuropathy, which you lose feeling in your foot, and then she had these blood flow issues, and eventually she had to get her leg amputated. And I watched her go through Los Robles outpatient physical therapy, um, and I saw the whole process. And I remember walking into this room when I was visiting her, and she had this, you know, kind of stocky, strong physical therapy aid helping her walk just get off the table and helping her stand up. And the way I describe, the way I remember being in that room really is there was, it sounds kind of cheesy and a little girly, but it kind of sparkles like everywhere. Like it was a magical moment for me, seeing him work with her. And like that connection he had with her was so inspiring to me. I'm like, that's what I want to do. I do not want to get people strong. I don't want to help people lose weight. I want to do that. Like that deep connection of guiding someone from A to B in that way, especially from a point of disability or inability to move, just struck me in such a powerful way. And that's when I decided I want to go for physical therapy. And so I transferred from Moore Park College to Cal Lutheran University very last minute to get my bachelor's degree to set myself up to apply for physical therapy schools. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go from there, but that's essentially what started me on that next track. Okay. Um, graduate from Cal Lu. Where we go after that? Well, once I graduated from Calu, uh, I'll take a step back. Bef- one, about six months to a year before I graduated, I was starting the process of applying to these physical therapy schools. You know, pick some of the best ones, pick some of the not so best ones, pick some of the 
middle ones and apply to all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the world was generous yet again. I got rejected from all of them. Uh, <laughs> and the reason was is I didn't try very hard on my GRE. I didn't try very hard on my grades the last year because that last year I had this idea that I could save the world. Very interesting idea. So I started to run this trip to Haiti. I started to get all these people together. I worked with this nonprofit that was started by a physical therapist to go to Haiti and start these rehab programs and these soccer programs. And all I did was focus on that. That's all I cared about. And by this time, my mom had passed away, and I was on this kick of I'm going to save the world for her because she was so generous, you know. So I was kind of going on that kick, and you know, I didn't really pay attention my last year. Um, so kind of ironic. I wanted to be a PT. I wanted to change the world, but I wasn't willing to take the steps necessary to do so, grades-wise. And if I had two more points on my GRE and 0.5 more points on my GPA, I probably would have gotten in, especially if I tried again. Um, and I ran that trip to Haiti, and that was also a failure. Uh, it didn't work out. It's a bit of a longer story. Um, and that story is on other podcasts that I can send you. But from there, it, uh, it turned into something very different. It turned into more of a social entrepreneurship type of approach where I really wanted to shift the world with what I was doing. When that Haiti trip didn't work out, I applied to schools outside the U.S. and I got into this school called Glasgow Caledonian University in Scotland. It was a two-year master's program for physio. I said, great, but I have a year ahead of me before that program happens. And so what I did was I uh, worked with a company that I hired to come to Haiti. They use plants to filter water. Their, Their name is Agua Inc., very incredible company. They use these cattail plants to filter sewage into irrigation. And so they actually offered me, right when I graduated, to come out to Gambia, which is in West Africa. I didn't even know where the hell it was. They're just like, come out to Gambia. I'm like, is that Zambia? Like the guy was from Spain who started the company. I didn't know what he said. I just said, yes. I wanted to do something drastic. And I had studied abroad in my college career and just, I loved that. I loved this idea of going to Africa and just helping this company. I didn't care if it was about therapy or not. And they offered me to this, this opportunity to run this internship program. I didn't even know what that meant. And the COO, she's just like, create it. Make it happen. I said, cool. I'll do that. And so before I started leaving, I was recruiting people to go where I didn't even know I was going. I was starting programs and putting up flyers. And just I started that process. Um, through that process, I became pretty notorious on top of the Haiti trip at my college. And I took tons of money from student government to give to the – like. They said, well, we want water fountains. I'm like, no, you're giving this to Haiti. <laughs> Just <laughs> took a few thousand from that. And uh, I actually also applied to give the commencement speech. And there's all these like girls that work really hard, perfect GPA, student government. And I took that opportunity away from them. And everyone, like so many people hated me. And I gave the commencement speech. The next day I left for Africa. And I lived there for a year. And I was running this internship program, just helping kids. I just just had this feeling of, you know, going through education, especially at Moorpark College, I knew how important experience was. Going through the failures I had with this Haiti trip, I knew how important social social entrepreneurship and having a social purpose was. I want to combine those things together. So I created this internship where I don't care what your major is, we will undercharge you because study abroad is too expensive. And we're going to make sure you have a customized, individualized experience when you come to West Africa. And we're going to make sure that's relevant. I don't care if you study international development, environmental science, political science, economics. I made sure everyone had a specific experience. This kid who came from University of New Hampshire, I helped him fundraise the money to get the flight. He came on over. He worked with the Ministry of Economics. He worked with microfinance organizations. He didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. At the end of the three-month internship, he got a job offer in South Africa, rural South Africa, to do rural microfinance. And now he's getting all sorts of offers from Kiva, a microfinance organization that's really popular. Like, it's really improved his life. So I loved having that job. It was incredible. And then, you know, in my off hours, I'd go to their only physical therapy clinic they had, and I posed as a physical therapist. I said I'm a physical therapist from the U.S. just because I wanted this experience. And I'd work on kids with cerebral palsy. I kind of knew what I was doing. And then, you know, people with village conditions, machetes in their tibias and, you know, club foot and all sorts of stuff, even just people with general back pain. And uh, that was just fun. You know, I just work with the physiotherapy team. They didn't have much. And I teach them the little manual therapy that I knew. And um, it was just a crazy experience. So that was for about a year. And right after that, I went straight to Scotland. Um, This was at the peak of the Ebola crisis. I had just blown off my finger with a firework right before I left a week prior. So I had these these giant bandages around my fingers. They were still healing. I almost lost it. I had a crisis that I wouldn't be able to do manual therapy because of it. And then, you know, when I showed up to Scotland, 
I had the wrong visa. I had a visitor's visa instead of a student visa, and I had a reason for that. The, the process from Africa was impossible. The mail was too slow. I wasn't clear. The internet was slow. I didn't have a, it was closed for the holidays, so I didn't have someone helping me on what visa to get. I didn't have any of that. And so when I showed up, they said something sketchy about you. One, you have a Jufro. Two, you have nothing but a backpack and an African painting. You have your finger blown off, and it's the peak of the Ebola crisis. Come with us. So I was in this interrogation multi-faith room for seven hours. They said, you're not getting into the country. You're not going to school. We're going to send you back, and you have to figure it out and do this the right way. And send I was, you back to the States or to Africa? Send me back to the States. Okay. Thank God they sent me back. <laughs> to get, I was kind of like I would have loved to, but I, was, I had my peace. You know? yeah. I had my experience. And, um, you know, it's just that I, mean, I cried. I cried in front of these immigration police officers. I'm like, this is my dream. What are you doing? Like, I've gone through so much to be here. And, like, there's no mercy. I just didn't understand and they said they, I'd be in cap- captivity as I study animal science. I, I call it captivity. They said they put me in a detention center, not jail, detention center for a night and sent me back. They took me to the hospital. They ripped out my stitches. They, you know, had me in handcuffs in a wheelchair in the hospital with two cops. At five in the morning, they take me to the detention center and I go into this giant bunk room with 12 bunk beds and it's me and a Somalian guy. And we have that conversation of, what are you in for? <laughs> I told him, I don't know. He told me that he stole some drugs and tried to sneak it into the UK. I'm like, cool, interesting. I was there for seven days. Seven days I ended up being there until I wow. finally bought my flight and uh, demanded that I get out of there. And while I was there, I was just, you know, I made some friends, got rid of some back pain, watched American Pie with some Punjabi Indian guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was just an interesting experience. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but when yeah. I came back, I was, I was lost. I had no idea what to do. And I remember taking this course called Chain Reaction from the Gray Institute before I left for any of this. And uh, it was three years prior. My, my mentor, Dan Kinney, he's a physical therapist in Thousand Oaks, still a great friend of mine and mentor. Um, we had him on a couple episodes ago. Oh, did you? Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Um, and he suggested I get into the Gray Institute. And so his... His influence has been a major cornerstone in my life. And Gary Gray kept coming up at these idea conferences I was getting into. And I emailed Gary Gray, not knowing who the hell he was. I said, I'm so passionate about hearing what you do. And I don't know why, but I'm supposed to email you. And he said, come down to Chain Reaction for free. I'm like, I lost my shit. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go down to Chain Reaction and this is going to be incredible. And it was, it was amazing. I learned all about the basics of the Gray Institute, three-dimensional motion, and when I came back, you know, let's fast forward. I came back. I called Doug Gray, who runs the gift program, the 40-week mentorship that they have. He said, Ryan, there's not, no spots left. I couldn't afford it. But they gave me a break, and they let me in. And that was the best thing any educational organization has ever done for me. Yeah. And, I mean, that mentorship changed my life. My whole perspective, the way I look at things, uh, it actually gave me this idea of this concept called humility. Um, it showed me how to tweak things in all three planes of motion. It gave me this creativity. I always tell Lenny Parasino, who also taught me some soft tissue stuff from the Gray Institute, he's also a major mentor, great friend, uh, that I told him that Gray Institute gave me, I'm the artist, and they gave me my, my easel and my, my paint. You know? And I was just looking for that. I felt lost, and I couldn't express myself, and that's what the Gray Institute did for me. And while I was considering, you know, what am I going to do with this whole manual therapy thing? Obviously, Gray Institute's full of physical therapists. And they said, don't go to PT school. Don't go to PT school. I said, okay, what can I do? And that's when I found out about Tom Myers and the anatomy trains. And I found out that he just started accepting trainers with sufficient soft tissue experience, which I had had from Lenny Parasino from taking his workshops. I applied to Kinesis Myofascial Integration, which is a full program, a six-month program on bodywork and structural integration based on the anatomy trains and I got in. So it was me, another gift fellow and two other people that were based in training. The rest of the program was massage therapists, but went through that program while I was going through gift while I was running my own private practice. So it was heavy and there's a lot of stuff that I did not catch because I was so busy. Uh, I definitely don't suggest it, but yeah. on the tail end came out on the other side with uh, a kinesis myofascial integration certification um, and started doing bodywork in addition to the training. Um, that's actually when I started working with you and I started, it was kind of in the middle of all that actually. Yeah, it was. And I, yeah. And that was, that was an interesting place and you played a huge part in 
helping me find my way a bit. And you were a huge like stable keystone while I figured that side out of my life. And, you know, Elite MMA, it was an interesting perspective. And it was right after I stopped working with Dan because I wanted to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I moved to L.A. And I started working with a pelvic floor therapist. And I would just do this hip balancing stuff for her. At the same time, I was trying to apply to work with the Dodgers as their soft tissue therapist. I felt close to getting in there. And um, it didn't work out either. And then I had a couple golfers that were seeing me for back pain. I Googled this place called Urban Golf Performance after working at this pelvic floor facility for a few months. And I got a tour of this place and I said, this is it. They got the team. They got the integrated approach. They, they have a need for tissue work. They have the training. I've never played golf in my life, but this is my home. And I've been there ever since, here ever since. <laughs> so it's a uh, twisty and windy road, but it's, it's been fun the whole way. Yeah, because when I met you, not met you, when we kind of reconnected um, a couple years ago or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. Um, it, it seemed like you were lost still, searching for something. Definitely. And that's when you came over to Elite MMA, and it still just wasn't a fit. What about Urban Golf Performance did you find just, like, drew you in? Yeah, Urban Golf Performance is the best thing I've ever seen. I mean, I was applying for the Dodgers. I went to go get tours of the Lakers facility. Um, I saw, you know what I wanted at Elite MMA, which was this integrated collaborative approach. Yeah. Holistic approach, really. And not holistic, like, let me sell you some, you know, poop supplements and let me, you know, <laughs> you know, draw some blood. Let's get you on a cleanse. Yeah, yeah. Not that holistic. You know what I mean? Just, you know, a proper balance of manual therapy and movement with a good high level perspective of health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really know what that meant until I also found the Institute of Motion, which I'll get into later. They were also just and continue to be my saving grace. Uh, amazing organization. Um, but Urban Golf Performance showed me that integration is possible as a model for sport and health. And, you know, the way they did it is through golf. And golf is just a brilliant medium because it's so addictive. It's so behavioral. It's a biomechanical party. There's so many different people that do it from children to women to successful CEOs to retired individuals. It can span across every race, age, and uh, country. And I've never seen a sport unite people like that, truly. I mean, even soccer, you know, there's an age limit. Obviously, you can have age groups of uh, teams true. playing together, but golf is truly that sport where you can have tons of people competing against each other and age, race, or gender not being a limiting factor. It's amazing. And so I also saw it as this way for people to understand and value manual therapy and corrective exercise because it's all about mobility and stability and balancing those two things together. And then... Uh, there's a lot of neuroscience involved and that got me really interested, but really the company got me so interested because of what they're about of this value of education and inspiration and like using golf as a platform to develop the whole person, I thought was such a fascinating concept. And the fact that they have different departments and a team where I can work with a coach, I could work with a club fitter, I can work with another physical therapist or I can work with a trainer and develop a plan for these people. I'm like, that's it. Even if they don't have it perfect right now, I want to make it perfect. I want to make it right. And I want that to inspire a lot of people. And not just that in the model, but I want it to inspire individuals that go through the process. I want it to be contagious. And I guess in a short form, that's what I love about it. But really having, it, having UGP and the team here, it's, it's, it is like a family. Um, and it's a very intense process. It's a very accountable, growth-oriented process where you sink or swim. But when you swim, man, do you swim. And it's done so much for my life from you know anything from interpersonal communication to confidence to how to run a business to how to deal with people to working with some of the most amazing athletes from basketball and football that just come to learn golf and taught me about the body and neuroscience and what really matters. And what really matters is that deep connection with an individual where you motivate them to get them to move literally and figuratively from A to B holistically. What is that process? And the opportunity to feel that and be a part of it and refine it is why I love being here. And they're going for world domination and so am I in the most positive of ways while making a social impact in, in disrupting the industry. So I'm, I'm fully on board with it right now, and that's what I saw in it when I first came. And now it's twice as big, or get, like, you know, facility-wise, we're about to go for our second location. 
Oh, cool. um, yeah, so we're really excited. We're making these really big partnerships and moves. Um, I'm just excited to see where it goes. I'm here to help with it. Yeah. Um, tell me about, let me see. You started doing soft tissue work when you came over to UGP. Yeah. What are you doing now? And tell me a little bit more about the core values here. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, what I'm doing now is I'm still helping out with that the health side of the business um, and kind of collaborating with the director of fitness and the director of coaching, make sure that side's still present. Um, and we have an amazing soft tissue therapist here. His name is Manny and actually, you know, quite well. And he, he's amazing. He gets it done for sure. He's, he's a great therapist and he's learning to be more of a trainer in this role. And uh, so what I'm doing here now is just kind of overseeing projects. I'm overseeing performance management, uh, helping with staffing, helping with marketing projects and really getting this company to understand itself and getting others to understand it. And making sure people have a quality process of development coming through here. Um, that's my main priority. I mean, our mission is to inspire and nurture the spirit of golf one person at a time. And that's a very powerful statement. So if I have you in front of me and I'm not inspiring you or nurturing you or paying attention to you, I'm paying attention to someone else at the time, I'm not being present, I'm not doing what I'm here to do. And inspiring is getting you motivated, letting you know you matter letting you know what's possible, letting you know what the future is. Nurturing is what we do as trainers. It's programming. It's giving them the tools and resources and the exercises they need, the manual therapy they need. But the inspire part is what this company taught me. And it's what I want to help teach everybody is the inspiration. And that's what brings people together. It's what keeps people here. It's what gets people better. It's everything that's missing, not just from the fitness industry or the golf industry, but the world is this inspiration. And the idea of doing it one person at a time, it's this individualized approach where we're doing motivational interviewing, goal setting, and getting people from A to B. And that's just the best way to look at your mission every day. You know, it's no longer I'm going to learn how to release this person's rectus femoris in the best way possible and stabilize it. I, I don't care about that as much anymore. That's very important, but it's such a sliver of the process, such a sliver. Our vision is to connect a global community of golfers to make the world a better place. And that, that makes me so comfortable and happy because my itchiness and, and wiggliness to make the world a better place is now satisfied because I know I'm doing it every day. I know the impact we can have on the world through our nonprofit relationships upcoming, um, through the partners we have, through the great people we have on the team, to our clients that have influences in the community. I mean, I have no doubt about the ability to change the world through this company and not making that a light statement. And our core values are, are extremely important and they, they mean a lot to me. It's mentorship, which is the process of guiding and mentoring individuals, community, which a lot of people don't have nowadays. I, I was searching for that community and that's why I came here because I saw that community. Um, passion, inspiration, honesty, humility, it, it's all there. And it's all something we seek to live out every single day. And the most important thing is holistic development. Mm -hmm. that's, that's my favorite part is I've been trying to go to so many clinics and work with so many people to, to get aligned on this idea of truly holistic development, not sharing space and saying that it is or giving people a product and saying that it is, but truly it's so much hard work to have holistic development in place for an individual. And what does that look like? And I, my hope would be that's for every sport, every clinic, and every healthcare system is that they have that idea and that they execute upon it well. Holistic development for every individual. That's just something I'd love to see happen in the world. So what do you think is the, the problem with other places achieving holistic development? Why has UGP done it so well? Oh man, it's the grit, the passion, all the core values. They don't have that. They may say we care about education and being happy and holding hands and we love family, whatever, but those don't have depth. They don't take the time and go through the gritty hard work to make it happen. And I just don't think they have the right business acumen and the vision and the willingness to step on toes in the right ways going forward. And they maybe didn't have the right timing or opportunity or they're trying to push it from their perspective. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, man. I, it would have to be a case by case basis, but yeah. there's a reason it hasn't happened yet. You know, there's plenty of golf places, plenty of fitness places, and they only get one slice of the pie. And it, 
it really does start with finding the right individuals and getting them aligned towards the mission, vision, and core values and living it. And that's very hard to do. How do the core values play into your hiring process of a new trainer or therapist? Well, uh, everyone has these values that I mentioned. It's just on a scale of one to five, where are you? And when we hire someone, we see that they have them and we see how loud they are. But we also see how quiet some of them are. And we're going to say, we see these, but we're going to take a chance. And we're going to develop that in a very specific way. And this is not just your client's platform, but it's your platform for development. And we're going to make sure whether you stay here or you go somewhere else in the world that you get that here. Wow. Yeah. And we're going to teach you hard work. You're most likely a millennial. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to teach you hard work. Yeah. We're going to teach you what it takes. We're going to teach you what it means. And we're going to teach you how to have an impact on yourself and others. And that's our primary concern here. We're not concerned about how much you sell. Obviously, it's a factor. But we're concerned about you. And we know that if we're concerned about you and you're the right person for this company, it's obviously going to show up in the numbers. It's obviously going to show up in your clients. And those are your results. But the process is what people are not willing to undergo. The uncomfortable conversations, the big picture, the future vision, most people don't undergo that process. And that's why it's not done. Hmm. Is there anything that you, uh, you struggle with currently? Me? Yeah. Humility. Humility? All the time. It's a core value of, us, of, of ours to have humility. Humility is my hardest one. How come? How come? Yeah. Oh, man. I probably have, I can give you so many different explanatory models. Uh, I could give you the parental approach, you know, I could give you my environmental approach. I could give you the, you know, trauma-based defense mechanisms that I hold on to. I could give you, you know, chasing knowledge for the sake of knowledge. It's not important why, uh, but I'll tell you I'm working on it. I'm aware of it. If it wasn't for this company and my loved ones, I wouldn't be aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm taking the steps to address it properly. You mentioned the Institute of Motion because they do, yeah. they're all about like the health coach. Oh my gosh. It seems to relate to what you're talking about uh, that you guys do here about being a holistic approach to golf development. Yeah. Golf development. Yeah. How has IOM influenced you here? In every way possible. I mean, it, Institute of Motion, I found them right when I was finishing up my KMI, uh, Anatomy Trains Mentorship, and you know I took their level one all the way up to level three, and I remember at the end of the level two mentorship, Michelle Dalcourt, the inventor of the Viper, was on PTA Global, consults with Equinox, currently the founder of IOM. He had this presentation at the end where he talked about the future of our career, and it wasn't personal training, it was health coaching. And he talked about technology for several slides, all this technology that's coming out. I became fascinated. And this was about a year ago. And I'm just like, dude, I'm going to look into this like crazy. So I started researching wearables, tech, everything. And I kind of made myself into this uh, person who just knows a lot about tech in the health space. And I, I'm still that person. So now I'm actually helping them on certain projects on you know what technologies would I use? Let's let's address all these different apps and where are the gaps, where are the opportunities for health coaches to really get behavior change and results for people through technology, and that actually got me on this neuroscience kick as well. So, one, it inspired me to go those directions. Two, it gave me this perspective of health coaching and the the whole person really mattering, and then it also gave me this philosophy of what they call twenty times, which is if you're trying to accomplish something. Multiply your network by 20 and do it with all of them, not yourself. That's great. And they live by that, and I love that about them. And that gave me a sense of community and the ability to accomplish anything and not have fear in reaching out to anyone for help. And obviously, you have to have the trust and rapport, but them giving me the ability to think that way just changed my life. And the way it impacted me here at EGP is that when I look at this team, we're not going to accomplish development as simply as a tissue therapist or simply as a coach. It's got to be holistic. It's got to be 20 times. And, you know, practically speaking, their methods, their progression models, the four, four quadrants of training, uh, we use it every day here now. And Bobby Capuccio's come by and talked about sales and motivation. Michelle Belcourt's come by. We actually have the gym structured, structured as like a 4Q uh, incidentally, you know, really? yeah, I'll show it to you. It's a big square. We call it the cube. 
Um, but we structure it with loaded movement training, unloaded movement training, loaded linear, unloaded linear. And we, we have IOM as a huge part of our education here. Was that on purpose or by coincidence? Coincidence. Really? Well, I say it was on purpose. <laughs> but that's just me being biased. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the founder designed it. So he calls it the cube. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Community seems to be a very important, I would say, value to you and your networking. I mean, you have such a, I feel like you have such a vast network. How have you developed this? Passion. Passion? Passion. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed to say I love what you do or I'm not embarrassed to share what I'm doing. And I don't care if I go up to you and who you are is more accomplished than me. I'm going to stutter in front of you. I'm going to tell you what I'm working on, and I'm going to say I want to work with you. I mean, it seems to have worked out for you because now <laughs> you've got you know a couple lectures on uh, Institute of Motion on cognitive function. Can you talk a little bit about those? Absolutely, two? yeah. Um, yeah, the cognitive science stuff is very important to me. I never went to school for it, but I jumped on a research project at USC looking at how exercise interventions affect the cognitive functions in patients with Parkinson's and how it changes their gait patterns. Because Parkinson's, there's a lot of issues with dopamine and brain chemi chemistry and stuff like that. Um, in my whole life, you know, struggling with, you know, communication issues to uh, feeling specific ways, feeling brain fog, feeling not smart sometimes, feeling too smart sometimes, and not really being that smart. You know, having perspective on psychological issues or what would appear to be psychological issues. I really took to this this cognitive uh, science. And I want to go, I, I still debate to this day going back to school for it. Uh, I'm not going to because of the success I've had just doing it the way I'm doing it, which is, you know, getting in contact with the best researchers in neuroscience and exercise, you know, reading books on it, you know, looking at as much research as possible and just ideating. And it's been about two years of researching and reading and thinking. And it was by myself, though. And right when I got this idea of 20 times, that's when I started to talk to the Institute of Motion about this being a really big thing for me. And at the, I remember it, the very end of the third mentorship at IOM, we were in the hotel and I, I was talking to Michelle all weekend about, I want to show you this four quadrants of cognitive training. I want to show it to you. I've been working on it. Now you have the four quadrants of neuromechanical, but I want to show you those four quadrants of cognitive. Like I've been studying this. I finally put something together. I just want to run it past you. I sat down with him and uh, pretty much a majority of the people that are you know higher up at Institute of Motion and I was so nervous. I was just talking, 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 trying to explain it to them. I'm like, I know it's not clear yet. I know it's not perfect, but please hear me. And they're just like, Ryan, this is brilliant. I'm like, oh, thank God someone validated me. <laughs> so um, I, I finally felt that validation that I needed psychologically. And it just kind of kickstarted me on this, this philosophy of it's okay. We're going to get this done. And that's when Bobby Cappuccio and I started working together. And I love him for who he is. He's amazing. And he's done this process several times of working with people who understands neuroscience in the, in the fitness industry, doing it mostly from a coaching perspective, but never from this perspective of, you know, can we train specific cognitive functions through specific exercise recommendations and structure and programming? And how do we assess that? So that's kind of my thing right now is, you know, we have this idea of brain health and brain health costs so much more collectively than the physical stuff across the world. There's dementia and cognitive decline and the cost of you know, lack of productivity in the workplace and the cost of multitasking and the cost of Alzheimer's. It's way more, way like 10 times more than obesity, orthopedic injury, pain combined. And I realized that I'm like, I'm in this industry that's so focused on the physical and not focused on the mental. Yeah. Um, and this, this field of psychology is all verbal and we are movement-based nonverbal creatures first. And where are the interventions for that through fitness? How much do I really know about that? And I'm like, I don't know anything about that. And the more I, trainers and colleagues and friends I started talking to, they're like, we don't know anything about that. And then in this age of iPhones and information overload and whatever, people are just, they don't think the same. And we have these demands in the workplace and in our lives for cognitive performance. How do we train that? These brain games don't work. NIH found studies that you know these brain games have an initial effect on cognitive performance, but not really. They're not sustainable. The only thing that really works is you know aerobic exercise that creates neuroplastic change in the hippocampus, which is responsible for learning and memory. But you look at the methods, it's the most basic aerobic exercise and the most basic resistance training exercise. 
But there's so much more that we do. What are the effects of that? And the research answer to that is that one, it's going to take 20 to 40 years to figure that out, and there's too many variables. So I said, screw it. Let's take the main principles of cognition. Let me really work with this team of people to help me get it clear, like Bobby and Institute of Motion and just all my mentors and supporters and family and friends around me, to get something that's tangible and useful without having to go through a cognitive science degree, without having to use any tools or resources, and just understand how do I, as a coach, a health coach or trainer, therapist, doctor, anyone, help you achieve better cognitive performance, cognitive health? How can I help you do that? And that was the question I'm trying to answer. And I feel I'm closer to doing that after you know, defining cognitive disruptors, cognitive promoters, some basic strategies, and then defining this cognitive 4Q so that practitioners and uh, professional health professionals have a very simple tool to just put it in there and see if they can, even by accident, help cognitive performance. Because the problem, Cameron, is that people think that there's something wrong with them. If I have a problem with memory, if I have a problem with you know, focus, if I have a problem with clarity, if I have a problem with my emotions, that there's something wrong with me. And I've seen my loved ones go through that, I've seen my clients go through that, I've gone through that, and it sucks. It's not healthy to think that you have an issue with yourself or your psychology or your personality. It's just your health. It's like having an ankle problem and thinking that you're a bad person. It's the same thing. It doesn't make sense. And it really, it really gets me emotional because I know what that feels like. And I know everyone in the world is struggling with that. And it's not just in health. It's in the companies that we run. We go to work for most of our lives. We go, we're with our families and our friends for most of our lives. You know, I have arguments all the time with my loved ones, and it's, it's cognition. <laughs> it's, it's the way I regulate my emotions, the way I'm aware of myself. And we have this, I'm so thankful for this societal uh, uptake in meditation and float tanks and yoga because it's starting to help, but there's, that's only 20, 25% of it. There's so much more to do. And, but, but by looking at it from a perspective of, oh, it's just my emotional regulation, and you're saying I can improve that by sleep and this type of exercise and thinking a different way? Great. Let's work on that. And that is just so much more powerful to me than being you know, banished to a psychologist or having to take drugs. Like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm, I'm on this kick right now of making sure this gets into the world. And I'm doing it through my practice. I'm doing it through IOM. I'm doing it through my workplace. I can't tell you how many employees and coworkers I talk to that struggle with working memory. They may maybe make scheduling mistakes or for, you know, struggle with their words or, you know, just little mistakes. And, you know, traditionally they say your performance is bad. I'm going to fire you, cut your pay or threaten you. And that creates a nervous system response that isn't conducive to behavior change. And just sitting down with these people and saying, look, it's just this. Why don't you work out twice a week in this specific way? And why don't we work on your organizational skills? That's it. And they're like, oh, I thought something was wrong with me. And like, think about that. Think about that in your workplace, in your job, how much those thoughts cross your mind. And what is psychology? I mean, it's all integrated. I'm not going to separate it out, but it really helps. It gives a sense of security to separate it out and analyze what is it really. And through that analytical understanding, we gain a deeper understanding of the whole and the self and of each other. That's so refreshing that... I can't see this not being a part of our acumen as, as health professionals, and I can't see it not being part of, of general knowledge. I mean, if, if Sigmund Freud, if everyone knows who Sigmund Freud is and the general idea of his psychological approach, why can't people understand the basics of cognitive health and brain health? Why not? So I don't see any reason not to have that in the world, but it hasn't happened yet. And if it has, then no one's taken a unified approach, and I'm you know very dedicated to doing that. And that's what I'm doing when I'm not at work. I'm working on that. And I want to see that through. So how are you going to lead the charge in seeing other people see their cognitive performance improve? How? Yeah. Uh, right now I'm focusing on education where how can I teach you how to do that? Okay. That's what I care about. Because if I make myself the brain guy, that doesn't do anything for the world. In my mind, I can have my elite, you know, group of clients that I'm 
you know, coaching on braided performance, and who knows, that might happen in the future, but I'm more concerned how can I teach 50 trainers to think about this. That's all I care about right now. It seems like your passion to save the world is still being fulfilled. Uh, without the savior complex. Because <laughs> the savior complex is focused on me, 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 yeah. and now I'm focused on team, team, team. And like I said, I'm still struggling with the humility thing, but I've had enough slaps in my face from this savior complex assumption. I'm not doing that anymore. The whole save the world thing is BS. I'm not saving the world. I'm giving the world a tool. I, the idea of saving the world is going to take me in circles. It has. It will. Uh, I'm just trying to create a nice tool. Whoever invented the spoon, God bless them. Uh, I just like to create the cognitive spoon. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. You know, I've, I've had other people, loved ones including, who have just been like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. When, you know, we misplace our keys or we... There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. There's just a hiccup. What's the hiccup? It's either in your environment, your behavior, your lifestyle. It's something there. But we don't have to change you to change you. You know, it's very simple. And the, the like I said, the cognitive stuff, there's great meditation. There's great neurofeedback and technology. There's, you know, you know stimulation techniques through electrostim. There's, uh, you know, there's video games. There's, you know great psychological approaches, there's verbal approaches, there's apps, there's all this great stuff out there. There's nutrition techniques. I mean, just exercise alone will help you. You don't need to do, if you're exercising, great, you're doing it. If you stopped exercising, notice how dumb you feel <laughs> afterwards. Truly, you feel cloggy and oh, yeah. you know what it's like. So, you know, there's all that stuff out there. I love that stuff, but it's let's get more specific with that and let's be very uh, clear about what we're working on and why as it relates from the cognitive lens. But I'm not saying the cognitive lens is all that I see or all that matters. It's just a big missing lens. Yeah. yeah we could spend like three hours talking about this stuff. I, would I, wanna, to, yeah. I want to um, kind of sort of wrap up a little bit. Yeah. How can other businesses come together the way that UGB, UGP has? How can... Is there a model that you guys have? Is there something that you want to tell the rest of the, the fitness community? Like, this is kind of the way to go. Hmm. So, you know, that's a great question for the founder primarily, but I'll answer it the best I can. Uh, this was not my concept. I'm here to help. Mm -hmm. This is not my concept, was not my concept, but I own it. And I want to see it succeed. What I've learned from UGP uh, that the fitness industry could learn from is really just our core values. Are you focusing on holistic development? We don't have to get into you know, manual therapy techniques, health coaching techniques. Don't worry about it. Are you focused on holistic development? Is that a value you have? Is it something you live out? Is it something that you're aware of, of how to do? And how can you do that from where you currently stand? If everyone thinks that way, which people are starting to think we're going the right direction. The next thing would be community. Why are you doing that yourself? You idiot. Like, do not do it yourself. Use the 20 times. Use the community. Be mentored. Mentor, to other. Mentor others, right? There's so much, uh, and I get it, it's a business thing, but there's so much unnecessary competition outside the real competition that needs to take place. There's a real competition that needs to take place from business, from even ego is useful, but really where's the mentorship? Truly. I, it's so hard to find. It's there. You can find it, but it's so hard to find. And you have to fight for it, which sucks. Um, and the inspiration. Are you inspiring your clients? Are you inspiring other practitioners? I don't care if you teach a course or not. I don't care what education you have. Personally, man, I've gone through the whole loophole of you know, saying I'm better than someone because of my education, it's not worth it for me or for them. It's such a waste of time. And what really matters is, am I inspiring you? Are you inspiring me? And are we inspired to move forward and help people? That's it. And I think that's what the, the fitness industry can learn. And it, it's not just enough to hold those core values. It's are you gritty enough to get it done? Not overwork yourself, but are you gritty enough to get it done, have the self-awareness, have the team awareness, and have the mission and vision to move forward in the right direction? 
And can you do that with others? Once we can do that, we're going the right direction. Um, but I gotta say, it's, it's so much more than the technical side of what we do that matters. And I'm seeing that every day here. Yeah, I gotta tell you, through competition and ego, I found that it was harder for me to build a network. Yeah, totally. Of 20, course. Twenty times of you know who I am. It yeah. was like, okay, well, I, I need to be better at you know corrective exercise. Need to be better at uh, trigger point therapy, soft tissue, whatever. And it got to the point where I was just like, you know what? Screw it. Yeah. I don't want to. I want. I'm good at this. I want to just continue to be good at this. I need to find other people that are smarter than me. Yeah. You know, and that's why I would like send somebody over to you or to Manny or to Dan or to whoever because. I mean, it just, it helps nurture the relationship that I have with my client. Right. And it makes everything better. There's, there's a better community. Exactly. And the way I see it, man, is people aren't going to do that. You know, the poop emoji. (laughs) Okay. So this is the way I see it. It's very clear to me. So if you're not doing that, you're wearing a poop emoji on your head and nobody's coming near you, clients or people from, you know, in your network or other professionals because you're wearing the poop hat. Take the poop hat off. And succeed. Go, drive, work, have passion, you know, mentor, like do all the stuff that's hard work. Do it. But don't do it with your poop hat on. You're gonna scare away a lot of people. That's it. It's very simple. No poop hat. No poop hat. No poop hat. Take it off. Take it off. I know that wasn't, you know, a Gandhi style quote. That wasn't, you know, but I hope it reaches a lot of people. It'll probably be quoted someday. (laughs) Someday. Um, It'll be on my inspiration Instagram poster. You can can Google, you know, 3,000 best quotes of the world. It'll be number 2,862. Right. We'll see how it works. I kind of want to ask you what, you know, what certifications or whatever do you recommend? But I feel like I don't because it's not easy. It's easy. Institute of Motion. The Institute of Motion is great. And it I, covers so many different things, yeah. But if, if I ask, if by me asking you that, is it keeping people stuck yeah. in the realm of, well, I'm trying to get better for myself? No. No? No. What do you mean? Well, kind of like how I'm going to keep the poop hat on me and just be good at, like, I'm going to try to do everything. No, you should still try to do everything if it's smart. So it's not trying to do everything by working harder. It's to try to do everything by working smarter. You should always, like, we're all lifelong learners, right? Yeah. For, for me, learning is one of my strengths. I'm never going to stop learning. I have a problem with spending money on education, okay? So... I'm not an example at all. I just love doing that. And that's a strength of mine. I love learning. I love gathering information. I love putting things together. That's my, that's my strengths. My strengths are that. So for everyone, I'd suggest do the strengths finder assessment, take an emotional intelligence assessment, and then clearly identify what you want to do in your life and what courses or what pathways are relevant to that. What supports you in getting from A to B? So where can you find some of those assessments? Oh, you Google StrengthsFinder 2.0, you Google Emotional Intelligence 2.0, they're very popular. They're like 40 bucks, you take those assessments. You just learn more about yourself, your personality, because once again, we want to learn that stuff so we don't think anything's wrong with us when it doesn't go our way. Anything you can t- do to prevent something is wrong with you, because nothing is wrong with you, truly. You, you may have to be checked, you may be showing up as a dick, you may be you know, <laughs> falling into your patterns of caretaking or whatever. At least that's the case for me. But nothing's wrong with you as a person. And the more we think that something's wrong with you or someone else, it stops us from getting to the final destination of everyone being happy and healthy. And I know we'll never get there, by the way. I know we'll never have that fully because there's so much in society that stops us. But slowly we'll have people that help to remove the sediment of society so that we can be content and successful and happy and healthy. Like that's what matters. Health first before anything else. I mean, I've seen it through this business. So many guys, the most successful people in the world, not healthy. They're so miserable, so miserable. Health first, everything else after. If it helps you achieve your own health, do it. You know, I think we can drop the mic on that one. We can drop it. That was good. Yeah, we can drop it. Um... David, it's always a pleasure 
being in your presence. Love this. Um, I'm so thankful to be around such smart people. Where can people find you? Um, do you have any closing thoughts? Oh, man. Um, people can find me any way they want. I can't say that I have a, you know, social presence. I don't have, like, a website for consulting. I don't do any of that crap yet. I may not ever. Uh, I just want to be someone who's here for people uh, and here to collaborate and here to help if it makes sense. And, uh, you know, I'll give you my private information. You can throw it up there. Uh, but anyone's able to contact me anytime. Awesome. Yeah. Closing thoughts? Um, yeah, man. I mean, I just, I want everyone to be smart about working together because there is such a thing as excessive collaboration for the sake of doing it. Just don't have knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Don't have collaboration for the sake of collaboration. Have an, have an individual purpose. Have a why. And then have a why within the people you're working with. Otherwise, it won't go anywhere. Because I've spent so much time having good intentions to do something, and then nothing ever comes of it. Make sure you know what you want to create in the world, and make sure you have your purpose, the people you're working with have a purpose, and get it done. But do not waste time. And don't feel guilty about doing it. It's, it's really a mindset of having a purpose behind everything you do, and being very strict about achieving it. That's, that's all I got to say. And let's keep it simple for now. <laughs> Sounds good. But having a why behind what you do and, and making sure you're going to achieve what you set out to achieve. Seems like this place has helped you kind of direct that passion. That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't really have that before. But this, uh, this inspires me. Right on. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Thank you, man. Thank you. That's it for this episode of the Principles of Fitness, everyone. I would just like to give Ryan a special thanks for being with us on the show today. If you know anyone that could benefit from the information on this podcast, then please share this episode or any of our other episodes with them. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Principles of Fitness.